to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. So, by God's grace, we'll be starting a new series um, called the Victory Series. And we want to talk a little bit about what it means for us to live in victory. What does it mean for us um, in our day-to-day -day lives to have confidence that we are victorious. To have confidence that the story ends well for you and me. To have confidence that not only do I have a happy ending, not only is a happy ending possible for me, but a happy ending is assured for me. There is a sure and certain happy ending for you and for me. How can we, how can we kind of live that certainty now? And there's a lot of things that come in, in the way to shake, that, to shake up that certainty. There's a lot of different kinds of things. There's our relationships with people, our, our friendly personal relationships, our relationships with our, with our uh, like in our work or school or so on. There's uncertainties regarding our future and all of these things. And we talked a little bit about this when we did a series about anxiety. But now we want to take a, a positive perspective, not only how to overcome anxiety, but how to really, truly live in the spirit of victory. In the book of Romans, at the very end of chapter 8, St. Paul talks about victory. And he talks about it in a way which is... Um, uh, it, 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 it is absolutely astounding. He actually talks about it with using multiple superlatives, like a superlative, like there's good and then there's better and then there's best. So he talks about it as the very, very best. Like not only a superlative, but something which is beyond any shadow of a doubt. In fact, the verse which is going to be kind of the theme verse for the whole series is this one, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So today we're going to be introducing the theme and discussing a little bit about how, um, how the series is all structured. So let's read together just that whole passage um, uh, that uh, is describing where the sentence is and see sort of the context so you can, we can be sure that we're not taking this out of context. So St. Paul writes and he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not, did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God elect? If, if God, it is, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is God who died, and furthermore also is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The grace of God the Father be with us all. Amen. St. Paul is starting off by telling us, he starts off by telling us that this God, whom we are celebrating these days in the church, gave his only begotten Son for you and for me. Like there's nothing in the universe that I as a father, like a biological father, would not give to my daughter. That would not, that wouldn't hurt her, that wouldn't harm her. There's nothing in the universe, the only things that hold me back, there's only two things that hold me back from giving something, anything in the universe, to my daughter. Well, three things I suppose. One, if I don't have it, you know, like I'm not, it's sort of against my ethos and my morals and my my way of life to steal it or something so right but I would find I would try to find a way to you know morally and legally procure it but if I don't have it okay fine two if it would spoil her so if she has a sense of entitlement then I can't I don't want to ruin her three if it's something that is inherently harmful for her you know like like if, if I give her too many toys, that might spoil her. But if I give her matches or a machete, that might harm her, right? You know what I mean? The you, you, so there's a difference, right? Between things that are inherently harm, potentially harmful if used incorrectly. And then things that, are, that have no inherent harm, but the harm comes from the person because they don't have a sense of gratitude. I think all of these things apply to our relationship with God. But there could be a fourth reason that I just don't want to do it. Right? I mean, suppose, or I'm greedy, or I'm selfish, or I'm, right? But most of the time when we think of a good and perfect loving father, we don't think of them as, as selfish and so on. Now, if that's the way we treat, you know, you know, we as limited and broken human beings treat other human beings, namely our children, how much more God? Now take that one step further. Now suppose God is willing to give this child. Suppose I'm willing to give my child to you. What does that say? What does that say about you? What does that say about what I think of you? What does that say about how much I respect you? What does that say about how much I respect your judgment? If I'm willing to leave my child in your care. Right? What does that say about how much, how highly I think of you? Now suppose I'm not willing only to leave my child in your care. I'm willing to give my child up. I'm willing to see my child suffer for your sake. If I'm willing to do all of that, what wouldn't I give you? That's what St. Paul is saying. That's what St. Paul is saying. So any time you and I feel that God has, but he doesn't want to give us, all we need to do is go to the cross. All we need to do is go to the cross and see that he has already given us the thing which is of the dearest value to him. So then what's a job? Or what's a relationship? Or, or, or what's, uh, you know, some money, or what's overcoming some debt, or restoring some 
friendship, or something you've been praying for that, that hasn't quite materialized yet? What is that in comparison to what God is willing to do for you and for me? That's what the first part of this is saying. And we find that message most clearly spoken and most clearly displayed and most clearly found at the cross. So, St. Paul is telling us to think, to think about that in light of what's coming. And then he says, but maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you say, yeah, but, but John, I'm not, yeah, I'm not as good of a person as you think. Like, God has good reason not to give me because I don't deserve. St. Paul knows that you and I are going to think that. He knows that's our next thought. Is that, yeah, but I don't deserve. So he says, he says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is, God's, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? He's saying that the God that you're appealing to, the God that you're appealing to, and that you're saying I'm not worthy to receive from, he is the one who is saying you are worthy. Like, this conversation is not happening between, like, you and God and a third party. It's happening between you and God. And God is the one who's saying, I want to give you. In my, in my humble, you know, assessment of things, God says, you are worthy. You deserve it. I want to give you. So then who, who is going to come and tell God, no, you can't do that. In fact, Jesus says a parable about that. There's a parable where Jesus says a, a landowner owned like a large, very large vineyard, very, very large fields, right? Growing vines. So he, he, he goes, you know, with his uh, pickup truck, you know, to the, to the, the like the, the day workers area, you know? And he goes and he fills the back of his pickup truck up with a bunch of guys at like 5.30 in the morning. So they, they get to work at 6, and they're working hard. By 9, he realizes there's no way we're going to get this done. He goes back to the day workers area, and he says, you know what, I will pay you a fair wage, right? And the, the morning people, he agreed with them on $100, right? But then the, the, everyone after that, he goes back to the, you know, at 9 p.m., at noon, at 3 p.m., and then finally at 5 p.m., when there's only one hour left to work in the day, and all of the other ones, he tells them, I will pay you, pay you a fair wage. 6 p.m. rolls around, and then he calls the people who have only been working an hour, and he gives them 100 bucks. He calls the people who came in at 3, and he gives them 100 bucks each. And then all of them, even the ones at 6 a.m., he gives them 100 bucks. So the ones from 6 a.m., they say, oh, 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 wait a minute here. We have worked 12 times as much as the 5 p.m. guys. You mean we're going to get the same thing as them? And the, the landowner looks, he says, well, I, I'm giving you, I agreed with you for a hundred bucks, did I not? And they say, yes. He says, is, is it not right for me to do whatever I want with my own possessions? So if I want to give that man as much as I gave you, what is that to you? Right? The Lord wishes to give you and to give me whether you think you deserve it and you're a little bit entitled, like those 6 a.m. workers, let's be honest, or not, or you feel completely undeserving. 
He wishes to give you. And the reality is, the thing he wishes to give us is of unestimable value. It's not a hundred dollars. It's it's more than it's more than we can carry. But that's the next statement that St. Paul is making here. And he's saying, in light of all of this, in light of all of this goodness of God, in light of all of this goodness of God, right? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Like, who can take this love away from you? Shall tribulation, troubles, trials, difficulties, right? Distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness. The, you know, like, we don't really see people who are naked in the streets anymore, but another word for that, what is the big deal with nakedness? It's shame, right? Can shame, can peril, like being in trouble, right? Can being, can being attacked, or being, having, being in, 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 um, in distress of bodily harm? None of these things. And, and St. Paul says, we know, we know all these things are coming our way. For our sake, we are, you, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. Yet in all of these things, we are more, con more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he goes on and he says, Sorry, there's a little delay. And he goes on and he says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor principality, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you something I discovered in my own personal walk with God. God gives me assignments. Tells me, uh, John, I want you to love this person. John, I want you to step out in faith and commit to doing this, although you know you can't do it. John, I want you to do such and such. Sometimes I take up the assignment and sometimes I push back. I say, no, I, I can't do this, right? Usually when I push back from, a, from an assignment, it either comes from one or two things. One, it comes from my selfishness, or two, it comes from lack of faith. Usually it's one or the other. Anyhow, if I take on the assignment, it's usually much larger than what I am able to do. And so, here I find myself completely unable to do what I set, set out to do. And, as, it's God, as it is God's assignment that He has given me, then, all of a sudden, I find Him coming to help me to do it. And I realize He is doing the work, He just needs a vehicle to do it through, and that vehicle happens to be me. And what does that do that makes me love him more, which destroys my selfishness, and that makes me believe in him more, which makes it easier to, for me to take out a step in faith? What happens if I don't take the assignment? If I don't take the assignment, I usually find myself in more trouble than where I started. Then I find myself in some kind of problem that I created for myself. And what is my natural reaction to do? To go running to God and tell him I'm sorry and to ask for help. So now I've created a, a problem for myself that I don't know how to get out of. I pray and I ask him to help me. He helps me get out of the problem. That builds my faith. I have become thoroughly convinced in my life, 
So long as I continually reach back towards God and try to go back towards God in any way, then it is impossible for me to escape Him. Whether I take the, take the assignment or I don't take the assignment, my faith will be built and I will end up loving Him more. But if I take on the assignment, He will be glorified. If I take on the assignment, I will enjoy His glory. If I take on the assignment, He will be revealed to me more. So either way, God has arranged it that there are positive and negative feedback mechanisms to lead us back to Him no matter what. No matter what, we find ourselves back at the throne. We find ourselves back with Him. So I am thoroughly convinced, I am thoroughly convinced that as long as, as long as you and I are not actively repulsing God, we're not actively pushing God away, we will find ourselves there. But we stand more to enjoy. We stand more to, to, to be revealed. And we stand to receive more glory. And we stand to have a more joyful and peaceful and less bumpy life. The more obedient we are. The more we stick kind of with the program. But if I don't stick with the program, it's okay. I create problems that I don't know how to solve. He knows how to solve them. He solves them. That builds my faith and builds my love for Him and reveals His grace to me. Reveals how loving He is to me despite me. Not because of how great of a you know, follower I am. Right? And that's what St. Paul is saying. That's what St. Paul is saying when he says... What are all of these things? You know, the, the, the verse says, the verse we're going to be spending like the next five weeks talking about says, yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. What are all of these things? They're all these things. They're all not nice things. You know, they're all hairy things. Tribulation, problems, and, and distress, things that cause you fear and anxiety and worry persecution, people discriminating against you, being unkind to you, treating you differently than they treat others. Famine, when your personal daily needs, when you feel that your personal daily needs are not met. Like, there's a difference between asking God for a Ferrari and asking Him for, asking Him for your, for your daily bread, for your daily sustenance. When your daily sustenance seems to be missing. Shame, fear, and all of these things. In all of these things, St. Paul says, I bet you, I bet you, you can find the love of God. And let's be honest, let's be real here. In a lot of these things, I don't find the love of God immediately. I don't find the love of God clearly. It's not like, it's, it's not even like where's Waldo, where you have to spend, you know, I, some of you are good at these things, I'm not, right? It takes me like 45 minutes on each page to find the little stinking Waldo, right? And everybody's dressed like Waldo, right? Except Waldo, right? And Waldo all of a sudden was wearing blue and yellow instead of red and white. I'm really bad at this stuff, right? You know, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, the love of God is plastered all over it. And sometimes it's not clear. So when it's not clear, what I do is I reach for the cross. What I do is I reach for the cross. When I was a little kid, 
my mom gave me a cross, or my parents gave me a cross, and I wore it around my neck. And they told me to never take it off, so I figured I should never take it off. As a teenager, I got into reading all this fantasy stuff, so I thought of it as a charm or an amulet or something that would, you know, magically protect me. You know, as I've grown, I've realized that there's, there's no magic power in the cross. The, the, magic, the magic in the cross is what the cross means to you. ISIS has declared war in the St. Petersburg attacks on the bearers of the cross. So that's what that means. That's what the cross means to them. This isn't to talk about ISIS. Let ISIS be ISIS. This is to talk about you and me, right? That's what it means to them. What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you, right? If a, if, if a, if a, a simple plain cross doesn't bring the message clearly enough to you, maybe find a cross that has Jesus on it that has Jesus hanging, that has Jesus suffering, that has Jesus saying, I love you. That has Jesus saying, I love you, on it. That has Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, on it. That has Jesus presenting himself, presenting himself, throwing himself into your arms and mine. And the thing about St. Paul is he doesn't just use any word for this. He uses this word, which is um, a combined word. The first part is hyper, like hyper. And the second part of the word is nikao, which comes from the root word nika. And if you may or may not remember, during Holy Lent, on uh, Sundays, during the sermons, we had one of my good friends come, Jack Riscala, and he spoke all about this word. And he said, this is actually where the, the sports company, Nike, got their name from, right? And that, that word, Nikao, which has been kind of like, you know, like anglicized to Nike, means victory. It means victory, it means to overcome. It means to rise above. So St. Paul is not saying to have victory, to receive, like it would be to receive victory, or to overcome, or to rise above, but he's saying, he's not just saying that. He's saying like hyper victory, hyper overcoming, hyper rising above. Very much so. He's using a superlative. He's, he's using like the most, the most excellent, the most excellent victory. That's what St. Paul is saying. In English, it translates to more than, it, it translates to three words, more than conquerors. But in Greek, in the language in which it was probably written, it's just one, one word. So during this series, we're going to go and look and see how can we have access to this victory? And where, where else, where else in the in in the uh, the New Testament does this word does this word victory come up? And what can we expect of it? And we're going to find a few central themes. We're going to find a theme that Jesus is the one who overcomes. And we're going to find another central theme is that victory brings peace. 
And next week's talk is going to be about how victory is essential. You might think to yourself, okay, well, some Christians are living a victorious life. Power to them. Maybe one day I'll be like them. Like, uh, you know, like I'm not like, you know, I'm not like the, the best or I'm kind of new to this whole Christianity thing or I don't really know how it goes. So maybe like, maybe like this is like, like 201 or 301, you know, but I'm just in 101. So when I get through 101, I'll be able to like, maybe that's something I can look forward to later. Well, if we're going to find that, no, that's absolutely not the case. Victory is the beginning of the journey of Christianity. Victory is where it all begins. And victory is a, a hallmark throughout all of, this, all of our walk with Christ. Victory is essential. And we're going to get that next week from the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. Then we're going to have a final week on how to overcome. What is the attitude of victory? And what is it, what is it about what is it about victory that changes us and makes us different and makes us behave differently and makes us do things differently? And lastly, we're going to talk about the indwelling of the Lord and how, how St. Paul really sees himself as completely inseparable from the love of Christ because he is in Christ and Christ is in him. So there is no, there's, there's no, there's no separation to be had. Your cir my circumstances can change, but I can never change. So we're going to kind of just take each one of these themes, and this week is just a, a bit of an, an introductory week. But I want to I want to encourage you. This I want to encourage you to go, you know, home tonight, and to think about about this, and to think about very specifically. Yet in all of these things, what are all of these things in which? you wish you could see the victory of God more clearly. St. Paul says, yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Through Christ who loved us. What are all of these things? St. Paul lists his, his list of things. Famine, persecution, nakedness, peril, distress, sword. In all likelihood, no one has attacked you with a sword yet. May God, may God keep it that way and give you a long life and peaceful times. So maybe some of those things don't seem very relevant to you. But take a, look at the, take a look at that list at the end of Romans chapter 8 and ask yourself, what are the equivalents in my life? Let us begin this journey with expectancy, expecting to see the love of God and His victory in these, in these areas. Let us enter this journey together prayerfully, praying and telling God, Lord, I am here before you. I know that your word is true. I know that, that you're not, um, you're not uh, just making stuff up, Lord. I know that it's real and true. But I want to know, Lord, how it is true for me. I don't want, to, I don't want it only to be nice things that I read and good words for preaching. But I want it to be a word by which I can live by. A word which brings new life in my life. Which gives me a new way of life. A new way of being. A new, a new MO. I want to live victoriously, Lord. I want to bow my head never again to anything in the universe, Lord Jesus Christ. Except you. I want my, 
my back to be firm and my shoulders spread wide and my head lifted high. I want to live proud of you who have loved me. I want to live true humility, to humble myself before you, O Lord, not before any of these other circumstances. To look at the face of all of these circumstances, at the face of death itself, and to laugh and to say, my beloved, he is mine and I am his, and he has overcome you. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Shall we pray? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, and Lord God, none other but you. Join us, Lord, in this journey as we set out, Lord, to experience your victory, Lord. Give us, Lord, eyes to see what are all of these things in which I need a more genuine experience of your victory, Lord. I wish to, I wish to live a genuine experience of your victory, Lord, in my own life and in the lives of all of my loved ones. I wish, Lord, to live with confidence and to live with boldness, knowing that I'm standing on the rock, the rock of ages, the one who never changes, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that he's got my back, and that I can confidently do what you have set me out to do, Lord, because you are the one who gives me victory everywhere I go and in everything I do. In the name of Jesus, the mighty, precious name of Jesus, the blood which you paid for us on the cross, the authority of your divinity, Lord. We appeal to you. Hear us, Lord, as we pray to you in the way that you taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not temptation, but deliver us from Christ yourself. And now the love of God, the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son, the gift and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Please take a few of the postcards for searching issues and invite your friends and colleagues. I meet people every day who are asking these questions. If you know anyone who is asking these questions, invite them to come to this safe and respectful space where they can come and share their thoughts. God bless you.